Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, of whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your own ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus, amen. How do you feel when an arrogant co-worker, yes, an extremely arrogant co-worker gets fired from their job? They get canned. How do you feel when an enemy becomes infected by a very deadly disease? How do you feel when a jerk passes you on the road, recklessly passing you on the road, later to get picked up by the police, or even worse, in the ditch, an accident? How do you feel when an imposing political party politician, yes, a politician is arrested for corruption, how do you feel when they get it, when they have those handcuffs placed on them? If we're truly honest with ourselves, more often than not, we have the emotion of pleasure. We are happy. We are gleeful. We have a grin on our face when these things happen, when somebody loses their job who's an arrogant jerk, somebody who, well, ends up in the ditch, who's a jerk on the road. We are happy. We have what the Germans call harm joy. Yes, harm joy. We have delight. We have happiness from another person's misfortune and their demise. We have harm joy. But why are we like this? Why are we so happy when someone falls apart? More often than not, it is because we believe that the other person deserves the misfortune, that justice is served upon them. Now, when justice is served upon a lawbreaker, we can agree that this is good, that this is right, that this is salutary, that indeed, that this is salutary. However, I'm not talking about what is good and right and salutary when justice is done. Instead, I'm talking about, yes, I'm talking about a diabolical aspect of all of this. You see, when people get what is coming to them, there's a part of us, no, don't deny it, there's a part of us that delights in this and is overjoyed by their suffering. In other words, I'm talking about that sick grin, that perverted happiness that we all get when others experience harm. Again, please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. Justice is a good thing. When justice is served, that is good. A punishment should meet the crime. 
However, I'm specifically addressing in this sermon, in this point here this morning, our disposition of harm joy. The fact that we take a self-righteous joy in other people's destruction, their demise, their loss and misfortune. But why do we have such happiness and joy in the midst of another person's harm? The answer, it actually makes us feel morally superior. It makes us feel morally superior. Now, dear friends, when something bad happens to another person, we must keep in mind they actually get lowered a notch. When something bad happens, when they get fired or something happens, they get lowered another notch. And when they get lowered another notch, well, then we are able to stand above them, looking down upon them from a position of being morally superior. And then if we want, we snub our noses at them when they are down below us. That is right, another person's demise makes us feel good because then we can believe that we are somehow better than them, that we are here, that they are there, that we are better than them, morally superior to them, and above them again, indeed. Their demise brings us confidence and joy because they got what is coming to them, and we're still standing tall, and we're still standing strong, indeed, tall and strong above them. In our reading from 1 Corinthians this morning, the Apostle Paul gives us not one, not two, but four examples of the Israelites acting badly and then being punished, and then being punished. In other words, Paul references the Israelites' idolatry, their sexual immorality, their tempting and grumbling in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus and Numbers, way back in the beginning, he mentions their sexual immorality, their idolatry, their tempting and their grumbling, which led, I might add, to over 23,000 of them being destroyed by serpent bites and plagues and the destroyer. But why does Paul, why does Paul share these examples for the church of Corinth? Why does he share them for us? Does he list them off so that we can say, well, you know, I'm glad I'm not like those Old Testament fools. They got what was coming to them. I'm surely glad that I'm sophisticated and above that. Glad that's not me. I would never do that. But dear friends, Paul does not give these Old Testament examples, though, as a way for us to puff ourselves up with a self-righteous platform. And furthermore, he does not list these as simple Old Testament history lessons. But instead... These Old Testament examples are history, real history, that is meant to serve Christ's church in Corinth and Christ's church right here at St. Paul's Lutheran Church. Yes, they are not good, but bad examples, awful events that have been recorded for you and me as warnings. In other words, God has a purpose in these Old Testament Israelite examples. God permitted the evils of the Israelites to be recorded for our own present good, indeed for our present good. But perhaps we may say, what good can come from such awful events in the Old Testament? What good can come from that? The answer is this, that they serve to be a warning to us, get this, that the same thing could happen to this church, the same thing could happen to you. You see, dear friends, we must not be so arrogant to think that we can never get caught up in the same things as the Israelites did in the Old Testament. 
Frankly, you and me and this church could easily get caught up in wanting our own way as the ancient Israelites did. We could easily turn this Christian faith into a circus as the ancient Israelites did. We could easily be given to sexual promiscuity as the ancient Israelites did. We could easily try to manipulate God and stir up discontent in Christ's church as the Israelites did, as they so easily did. And so Paul writes these examples down, not so that we can puff ourselves up as we look down with discontent upon them, but rather he writes them for our warning. Indeed, these are not written so that we can puff ourselves up and say, you know, I'm so glad I'm not like those unfaithful Israelites. I would never do that. But instead, Paul writes these examples down to be a warning, to be a warning marker so that we don't repeat their mistakes and don't wander away from the God that loves us. Think of it this way. The Old Testament people are no different than you and me. They really aren't. They're exactly the same as you and me. They and us, we all have the same old Adam, the same sinful nature. We all battle against the same devil, the same ideologies of the world. And so we could say that we're parallel to the ancient Israelites. Sure, they are at the beginning of time and we are here in the end days, but nonetheless, we are the same. We are just as capable of messing things up as they were. Indeed, we are just as capable And so, my friends, the point being is this, the harsh reality is this, do not be so naive and self-confident to believe that you are exempt. You and I could fall flat on our faces just as easily as the Israelites did in the Old Testament, just as easy. As many of you know, I used to be a pastor in another denomination. I've been in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Center now for about 10 years But before that, I was 10 years in another denomination. To the point, though, my previous denomination would send out from time to time a letter. It's a letter that had a little red mark on the outside of the envelope. If I'm not mistaken, I received two or three of these envelopes, these letters, over the last, over those 10 years of that denomination. And so every time that I would receive one of these letters, one of those letters with the red little mark on it, my heart would sink. My heart would indeed sink. I'd actually feel sick to my stomach as I opened the letter. And the reason was, it was a letter sent to all the pastors of the denomination notifying us that a fellow pastor had fallen. A fellow pastor had disqualified himself from the ministry by some unethical and sinful conduct, eliminating him from the pulpit, removed from office. Now, what my previous denomination did very well was that it used these moral failures and these letters not so that we could puff ourselves up and say, look at that poor lad and look at how he has fallen and I would never do that. No, the denomination used these letters to stress to all of us not only to pray for that fallen pastor and to reach out to him, to give him the gospel, to give him care, but also to warn all of us pastors that we were susceptible to the very same thing, the same fate. The letters were used as an example of what could happen to us. Alas, every time that we pastors received these letters, we were left saying this, God have mercy on me, a sinner. 
God protect me from the very same fate. God shelter me from this destruction. Keep me in your care. Bless and keep the congregation that I serve. And that is the whole point. That is the whole point of what the Apostle Paul is doing in our reading from 1 Corinthians here this morning. He is teaching you and me that when the destruction, the demise, and the misfortunes of others happen around us, that they should not bring us to harm joy, but instead to repentance. Indeed, repentance. Dear friends, having joy in another person's harm is actually the way of the sinful nature. It's the way of pride. It's the way of a self-righteous, arrogant attitude. It's the way of a naive person. Yes, a naive person not realizing that they possess the very same sinful nature that is capable of the very same atrocities. In fact, capable of so much more, so much more evil than often what we see around ourselves, what they see around them. Indeed, a deluded person full of diabolical self-confidence is a person who says, fall into sin, well, what sin? Surely I'm not that bad. Not as bad as those sinful, dirty losers, those fools. Beware, though, friends, dear friends. Beware, dear saints, of being so cocky and self-assured that you end up like the Israelites who reap nothing but disaster amid a spiritual ignorance. But instead, may you and I, right here, right now, may you and I cry out. May we beat our chest and cry out and say, Lord God, may the failures and the sins of the Israelites not only be an opportunity for my sinful nature not to gloat, but for me to repent of my sins. May these examples be a warning to me. Furthermore, O God, may the sins of the failures of those around me, the sins that I see in the everyday life, also drive me to repentance. May the tragic sins around me be a warning that I am capable of the very same thing and so much more. May we confess that together. And so may all of these examples drive you and me to the care of the Lord. May the Lord use these examples to lead us continually to his forgiveness, his mercy, and his help. May we be driven to cry out this, Lord Jesus, I am yours. Save me. Here at St. Paul's, mark this, we will never, I repeat, we will never promote sin or celebrate sin. We will never promote it. We'll never celebrate it. We will always appeal to justice. And at the same time, we will appeal to forgiveness. However, at the same time, may we also uphold justice and forgiveness with humility. Confessing that this world is every bit as bad as the Bible says it is, while sympathetically enduring this same world with our neighbors. And so may we be so bold to confess our sins, repent when our neighbors sin as well, and then rush with our neighbor to the loving care of Christ's forgiveness, his salvation that are so freely bestowed and given to us. And so, God, help us. We can do no other. Lord, have mercy on us. In the name of Jesus, the one who takes away the sins of the world, the one who protects us in this veil of tears. Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous. 
bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you. I